This is Trav Johnson with the Access a Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. You can follow us at accessastory.com or you can follow me at travjohnson.com. Welcome to the Next Sherpa podcast, and this is in between retreats three and four. Welcome to Nate and Adrian. Hello. Again. Hi, folks. How are you? Welcome. Uh, I am glad that we're able to do this, and just this is um, firstly an opportunity with this particular podcast, just to just to dip into the retreat that's just been, um, just to remind us and refresh us in some of the thinking that we've been um, working through, uh, some of the content as well. Uh, one of the things that was a, a strong theme, where we talked a little bit about neighbourhood formation, remembering that the process of the retreat so far have been personal formation, community formation, and there's a strong influence. Um, of, um, I guess, content through uh, the, the lens of neighbourhood formation from our last retreat. And one of the things that uh, we talked a little bit about was this idea of cultural analysis. And we've talked a little bit about culture before, but I'd love to hear from you guys um, around the question of why uh, this idea of cultural analysis is important when we think about perhaps neighbourhood formation, context of ministry, mission. Uh, do you have any thoughts on it? Yes, it's important. Excellent. Thank That's you. That's very important. Uh, he didn't say, is it? Is it? Why? Oh, right. Sorry, I was I think one of the greatest challenges as, as followers of, of Jesus in, a, in where we are at the moment recording this podcast in Australia in a Western secular, increasing secular country, is that culture change, is changing rapidly. Uh, and so our assumptions as Christians, as the church in Australia, mm-hmm. need to be challenged. Um, and, and as I look at the churches, the church I'm involved in, I, I still think that much of what we do is based on assumptions from 20 or 30 years ago. Mm. The structure things take, um, you know, even how the building is designed and set out, the programs we do, some of our language. So, so we're not constantly kind of asking hard questions and, and listening to, our, to our, the culture around us. We do what we do because it's what we've always done and we increasingly distance ourselves from from authentically and deeply engaging in culture and and in doing that we we just um, continue to be separated from so the, culture. So part of the reason that cultural analysis is important is because often we just don't do it. Yeah. We just don't allow ourselves a space to step back and, and ask some questions around what our assumptions are. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think often we don't know what questions to ask. Kind of, yeah, you get the sense that we're not really connecting with our local community. But well, how do we how do we figure that out? What questions do we ask? What process do we go through, rather than to go on an intuition? Yeah, yeah. What about you, Nate? Why is this important? Yeah, I think for me it's always been helpful to think back to some mistakes that we've made in the church. And so, particularly if you think back a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, we did a lot of cross-cultural mission, um, which we would now look back on and say we did very poorly and did in a very harmful way. And a lot of that was for the same reasons that you're saying that we made a bunch of assumptions. We said this is the way that we've been the church, and therefore, if you want to be a part of the church in this country that we have suddenly started doing mission in, then that means you need to accept all of our Western ways of thinking and dressing and speaking and doing church together. And we now know that that was ludicrous and that we made lots and lots of mistakes with it. And so I think we've understood that from a cross-cultural perspective, we have a lot of work to do to understand their culture, where are they coming from, what are their assumptions, 
uh, lots of listening and then being able to say what are the connection points. The challenge for us is to recognise that we are now doing cross-cultural mission in Australia. Um, the culture has shifted so far and is continuing to shift further and further. <clears throat> that what we need to do is that same work, that if we were going to go and spend a year overseas in another country where they spoke a different language and had a bunch of cultural things, we know we would do a whole lot of work around that. Mm. Are we diligent enough to do the same work here? Yeah. One of the um, one of my wonderings is um, where there's a sense where um, uh, we can easily get polarised in this as well. As it would, is sometimes there, for me, there's sometimes there's a fear that I that I do get it wrong, and therefore I'm not willing to step out mm. and you know go beyond myself. Um, I don't know what my assumptions are, so therefore, yeah. so therefore, you know, is it is it too big a risk for me to actually infect the <laughs> uh, you know the culture with my assumptions? Um, and, and so. Where that leads me is, it, has there ever been a time where, where we've got it right? I mean, you've just said in cross-cultural mission context, there's a, just a lot of examples where we just haven't done well as a church, and yet there's also this this narrative of people have stepped out mm. and had a crack, had a crack, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that, there's that question of is there is there a time where we've ever got this right? Um, and and I guess that leads us into a little bit of what we talked about at the at the retreat as well as you guys think about that question, remembering that uh, we looked at three cities through the through the book of Acts. We looked at the uh, city of Philippi and and gold was a, a really big um, part of their economic uh, reality and that affected the culture. Uh, their um, uh, trade was massive with Corinth because of the geographical location and so that uh, impacted the culture. We thought about that a little bit and and how that uh, impacted or how that influenced people's thinking um, and certainly uh, it was true for Ephesus as well with the temple of Artemis and uh, the way in which um, uh, the way in which people lived and survived was often through this uh, construct of religion uh, and um, uh, and idol worship and, and in effect mm. again it was the uh, the mindset of people was uh, influenced by those by those things and um, uh, Paul seemed to uh, approach each of those cities in a, in a different way there were some common strategies that he had so all, all those sorts of things were um, part of what we what we dialogued through at our retreat, um, and so I guess it's good to look back at that and go. Actually, there's some things we can learn there. Um, what are some? What about you guys? What do you think about that? Uh, has has there ever been a time where we've got it? You know, we've got it right. Um, uh, what, what do we learn from mistakes? But also, what do we learn from uh, even perhaps the biblical mm. uh, examples of how how Paul inter interacted with culture? Yeah, I think there are. Fortunately, lots and lots of examples of that from the last 50 years in yeah. terms of what cross-cultural mission, which wouldn't be called cross-cultural mission anymore, yeah. <laughs> but has become. And yeah. so our understandings of what incarnational ministry looks like, about going and actually living somewhere and embracing their way of life and being able to, as we've said, ask the right questions, um, listen well. All of those things, I think, have been done significantly well by lots and lots of people around the world. And I even think that there are a number of churches and a number of the bigger churches that are around the world initially started with this as well. And so think what you like about some of the big mega churches. Um, but at the core of 
where they started and a part of the reason why they were effective was because they did this work to say, okay, we're in this neighbourhood or we're in this suburb and so what are the needs of the people around us? Mm. What are the things that people are searching for mm. and how do we help them to connect with the God story through that? Mm. And they did it incredibly effectively. Mm. Now that then turns into whatever it turns into um, but you can't fault them for the way that they started out. Mm. And a lot of them have held on to that DNA in all the way that they've grown. The challenge is that what we've then often done is just said, well, that was a successful model, so yeah. we're going to pick it up and transplant it here, and that's what doesn't work. Yeah. It's on all of us to be doing that work of saying, <clears throat> yeah, what are the questions we can ask that help us to understand where people are at, where they're coming from, and then what those intersection points are. Mm. Mm. It's, all, it's kind of the, the McDonald's approach to, mm. to, to something with with church growth or community engagement that we tend to default to, isn't it? Rather than kind of going, what, what were the questions they asked and, and what are the questions that our, our culture and community is asking? And to what degree we prepared to um, challenge what we've done and, and almost deconstruct what we've done. It's easy to say that, isn't it? But but I, I get that, you know, for those of us that are strongly connected to a church, whether we draw a wage from a church, there, there are fundamental risks involved in pushing too hard on that um, because we, at, at multiple levels we need um, the institution of the church. It, it, we need it. But what are the other elements that we need to, to evaluate and, and maybe, maybe rethink and redo? And one of the challenges, I think, especially around deconstruction, is that we have done a lot of that over the last 20 years in particular. And sadly, again, particularly some of that that was done in the West um, has meant that a whole bunch of people just ended up having no answers. Mm -hmm. So we pulled things apart so much that there was actually nothing left whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah. so that's not helpful either. Um, and that's where I think looking at what Paul did is why it's so important to say, well, there is a message that we are the stewards of. <clears throat> we need to hold on to what that message looks like. It's just how we package, for want of a better term, what that message is like in terms of what are the words that we use and how do we um, emphasise spe specific things that really do meet people where they're at. That's mm. the work that we need to do. So I agree that we need to do an element of deconstruction and a, an element of getting back to basics, but it's not all the way back <laughs> until there's nothing yeah. left, yeah, where I think right. we've made some mistakes around that. But getting back to the core and the heart of saying, well, what is this message? What does it mean, honestly, for us to follow Jesus and centre our lives around him? And then how do we move forward around that? And then, as you were saying, Trav, not get obsessed about, oh, I've got to get this perfect or yeah. else, yeah. but just try something <laughs> and yeah. say, well, that didn't work. Maybe this language is better. Yeah. Or, well, that clearly was sort of helpful, but could mm. probably do it this way and it'd be a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. One of the great things that was helpful for me, Nate, when we were just piecing material together um, for our formation plan stuff uh, was we were using, at one point we were using the word community as far as community formation uh, with with the idea of formation and uh, as I was as you and I were talking about that there was a little bit of I, I recognize there's often this confusion when we sometimes we use the word community for 
this is what it feels like to be mm. a part of this group. And other times we use the word community for, okay, that's that community that we live in, like it's the broader mm. neighbourhood. And we actually changed the language to neighbourhood rather mm. than community. Um, and we use the word team or tribe when we talked about, you know, this group that I'm a part of. Um, and so uh, it's so that use of the word community, like for our purposes for Sherpa, uh, we've kind of shifted that and there's a reason behind that uh, because uh, we tend to have that confusion. Um, one of the things that I'm interested in hearing from, from both of you about, but Nate, you talked about this a little bit before at a, at a seminar you've just been to, uh, in regards to the mindset we have um, regarding the neighbourhood in which we live. Um, and uh, and so again, it's easy to default to you know planning, strategic planning. Again, those questions of what's our story, who we are, why we're here, why we uh, you know what we're doing. Um, it's easy to default to you know the, you've said before, Adrian, the four walls of the you know the institution mm. which we which we live in, and yet perhaps we're in a field, mm. but maybe there's a broader mm. context. Um, yeah, you, you talked about that. Um, was it was it Sparks? Who yeah, Paul you, Sparks. Who, yeah, yeah. So talk to us about. That. <clears throat> yeah, so Churches of Christ and uh, the Baptists brought Paul Sparks over um, from the US, uh, and he's been doing a lot of stuff around neighbourhood and what that all looks like. And so, I think for me that the language of neighbourhood has become more and more helpful for two reasons. The first is because it does everything you've just said, so it gets me out of my head of community, but actually I'm defaulting to my faith community and yeah. just thinking about the church. Um, so neighbourhood makes me think wider than that. <clears throat> but neighbourhood neighborhood also helps me to recognise that there are actually other people who are impacting this neighbourhood and God is at work in this neighbourhood well beyond the walls of the church. And so because of the fact that in a lot of cases, churches have not met people where they're at and have become irrelevant at times, People have just gotten on with the business of promoting healthy neighbourhoods mm. because they're passionate about that, because they know that's how we're supposed to be wired. And so I think some of those people still do have an allegiance to Jesus in that, and that's part of the reason that they're doing it. But I think others just don't have a clue. They just know this feels great when I'm in a neighbourhood where people actually care about each other and look yeah. out for each other and yeah. where we do things together and all of those things that we would say come from the heart of God. Mm. They just do it because it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I've said in a couple of circles, I think it's a bit of an indictment on us as churches that there are actually all of these other neighbourhood things that are popping up around us because that's what the church should always mm. have been about is promoting healthy, thriving, good neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I think we need to continue to push ourselves into that to say, and Paul Sparks talked about this idea of there being lights all around us and identifying not just the lights of where the churches are and not even just the lights of where the people who are in those churches are in our neighbourhoods, but also being able to say, and this is a term that gets used a fair bit, who are the people of peace yeah. around us? Who are the people who are promoting healthy neighbourhood stuff? What does it look like for us to actually map some of that out? And what does it look like for us to connect with each other and serve together and out of that kind of see where it goes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Uh, implications is always uh, an important word for me uh, to try and try and land something. Uh, and, and in our next uh, chat, we'll talk in terms of the, the practical work around the formation plan stuff that we've put together. Uh, on one of our sheets, we've um, we've got a, a series of squares that that are actually cultural analysis 
based questions, um, like things like resources, asking how people use their time and money, um, like observing that, observing how people find satisfaction, observing what steps people take toward vocation. So some mm. basic, it's almost like a community development framework uh, that it's it's good for us to at least adopt some sort of framework like that so it gives us a starting point for asking good questions, yeah. testing our assumptions, etc. Um, but I, so when I think about implications, for me that's part of where I'd go. What about you guys when we talk about um, this idea of neighbourhood formation and the importance of cultural analysis, the recognition there's been a journey that the church has been on, both good and bad, or, or, or you know, helpful and not helpful over the years. Yeah. Um, what are some important implications for a, a you know, specific context right now, do you think? In, in terms of listening to the local community, mm. I think it's the questions that you you spoke about before, but also kind of going, what's the history of, of this location? What, what happened here mm. um, years ago? Um, how how did this place come to be? Mm. And what are some of the stories that have shaped it? Stories that are, may well have been forgotten by now, but but the, nonetheless shaped certainly shaped the the, the spiritual um, elements and feel of the community much mm. less. Kind of why mm. you know, why people are the way they are. What are some of those nuanced traits and characteristics of of this location? Um, whatever they might be. It's interesting when you when you look at um, even compare Melbourne and Sydney and, and and the history of those two big cities here in Australia yeah. um, goes some way to kind of understanding why they are the way they are now, why they encounter some of the problems they have, but but what has shaped part of the DNA mm. by going to now. But but exploring some of those things and even you know at a very localized level, you know what what happened in my in my community mm. Mm. before. It got engulfed by the city of Adelaide. What, yeah. what was unique about it? Yeah. And I think one of the challenges for us is that this stuff is not ever going to appear on high on the priority list yeah. unless we make it that way. Yeah. So all of us have very full lives. We do lots of stuff. We've talked about that before and the importance of prioritising. But the question is, am I willing to say I'm going to make some time to yeah. do this? Because yeah. in the flow of week after week after week, um, with all the things that we do, you just will never get around to it. Mm. And so that's the challenge for us is to actually schedule in time to say I'm going to do some of this work, some of this research, I'm going to wrestle with some of these questions, yeah. I'm going to get out of my normal circle and go and have some conversations with some people who aren't a part of my church but who are in my neighbourhood to mm. hear their perspectives. Mm. Um, I'm going to try and meet with some other people who are doing good things in my neighbourhood so do I even know who those people are. Mm. Yeah. If you don't make those things a priority, then they will never, ever happen. Um, so I think that's one of the clear implications is we just have to make time for this. Mm. Uh, and then out of that, there will be some answers that will inevitably form because God's passionate about this stuff happening. Yeah. It's just we often don't stop long enough <laughs> yeah. to allow him to speak to us about what that means. Yeah, And that's key. And I think the, the thread through all of this is kind of going, it, it's not just about the questions we ask and getting the right information or you know, Googling the history of my suburb or city, it's kind of like it, it's being attuned to the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and listening in to the Holy Spirit through all of this. And I think, no, you're right, that, that's that's the fundamental, fundamental yeah. element to all of this. Yeah. And one of the challenges that we've experienced as we've waded into some of this stuff is just the number of opportunities that there are sure. to get engaged in things. So there is a significant amount of listening to the Holy Spirit in that too to be able to say, 
what is God calling us to do in this season yeah. right now yeah. and what other things that might be good ideas yeah. but aren't the best things that we can be spending our limited resources on. There's a lot of really hard work that needs to be done around that. Um, but again, I think, like you said at the start, Trev, we can be so scared of what yeah. if I get that wrong that we don't do any of it. Yeah. So I think being able to say, I'm going to start with just do I even have a good understanding of what the neighbourhood around me is mm. and the ways in which God is at work and the potential opportunities that I've got to connect in and to be a part of that stuff, that will form a big list. And then that's a part of one of the skills of leadership is being able to say, well, we're going to prioritise this during this time yep. and then we'll leave those things. I'll keep them because if this thing isn't working, well, mm. maybe you picked the wrong one. That's mm. okay. Then you kind of recalibrate the way you go in. Um, in, in a, uh, to, to sum up, so we're talking about this, this idea of implications. There's a few things that, that, that I've listed down. That there's actually five things that um, that uh, really intersect with what you guys have been saying. And the first thing is listen, to have a posture of listening, uh, mm. first up. Uh, to test assumptions, we know to, uh, I guess, self-reflect and go, what are the assumptions I bring into uh, this environment? Um, and to test them whether they're, they're, they're actually accurate or not. Um, thirdly, to notice how uh, God's story intersects with the story of this community. Um, when we think about the neighbourhood formation piece, we're recognising that um, God's going to lead us in such a way where where He invites us into the intersection mm. places. And uh, fourthly, to do something, to actually initiate mm. something, um, to not feel the pressure of doing everything, but to do something. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I've mentioned as well, and this intersects <clears throat> with what you've been saying, this idea of building a regular rhythm mm. of this as well. It's yeah. not, not thinking, oh, we've done that now. Yeah. Uh, and you said early on, Adrian, that uh, culture is constantly changing. There's this rapid uh, change in culture. And so it bids us well to build a regular rhythm of asking mm. those questions yeah. uh, again. Um, when you're talking about the history of the area you live in, it reminded me of the story uh, of Happy Valley where mm. we, you and I actually share the suburb. Yeah. Um, and my wife, Pixie, and I have this little chapel where we rent this chapel. Uh, under the shadow of uh, what's now a, a reservoir wall. Um, and it's been interesting to me just to think about the history of that, that area um, back in the world. It's actually known as Warrakilla um, before a white man uh, came's place of changing wind, which I think is kind of a nice nice little yeah. you know, spiritual thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, when, uh, uh, when it was first colonised, there was a small group of people who built a township uh, where the reservoir now is. Um, and so yeah. the centre of Happy Valley um, uh, at, in the late 1800s was flooded um, by an embankment so that um, the, you know, the city of Adelaide, or the southern suburbs at least, uh, could receive a, a, a decent water supply. Uh, and it just interests me now that there's still this sense where in our suburb there's no centre Mm. There's no there's no sense of place like there's a shopping center up on the hill. There's one mm. that's you know kind of down the valley. Kind of people you know it's it's a struggle to get there if you like. Yeah. Um, and we'd like to think because that this chapel is the one remaining old building from the centre of town. We like yeah. to think this is a place where people can come and experience a sense of place, a sense mm. of community. Yeah. Um, and uh, our hope is that God uh, would um, yeah um, I guess create that uh, in that kind of environment. Um, and we live in an environment where people, uh, they travel in and out of the suburb, um, they go to, they commute and they come back, they live, they sleep and then they commute again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And often there's no um, there's no opportunity for people to talk, to people to get to know 
one another um, and cited our prayer uh, as an example yeah. of what I think we've been talking about um, yeah. is that uh, the culture of what it is to be a human being in Happy Valley can actually change. Yeah. Uh, so that's our prayer. Look, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys, for the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Catch you next time. See you. You've been with Trav Johnson on the Access to Story podcast, discovering more about faith formation, culture, and the story of God. Remember, follow us on accessthestory.com or you can catch up with me on travjohnson.com.